chapter twenty eight the final chapter of stephen mitchell's journey by pansy this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty eight the through line at last it was at that moment that mrs sedgwick had entered the room and mr ransom who had been a listener to this talk which was rather between helen and mrs colchester after greeting the newcomer had moved away and taken up a book not to read but as a cover for his thoughts was it his duty to assume more friendly relations with mrs sedgwick in order to try to lead her into the right way he admitted to himself that probably mrs colchester was right and there was little hope that this woman whom he had once thought such a lovely christian understood the first principles of personal religion was it his duty to try to help her would he not be misunderstood but even if he were would that relieve him from his duty and the minister's mind was in chaos it ended by his joining the little circle summoned thither by a question which mrs sedgwick called out to him for a few moments the conversation was general then sarah being called from the room presently returned and petitioned miss ransom to come out to the dining-room a few minutes and the three were left together whether the spirit of maliciousness took hold of mrs sedgwick to an unusual degree that afternoon will not be known certainly she became very personal in her words this is almost like old times isn't it max dear me what a little time ago it seems when you and i used to be very much pleased when people were called out of the room do you remember that friday evening at the seminary when the girls would all stay down in the parlor i suppose i ought to say mr ransom but it sounds very much more natural to me to call you by the name i am used to mrs colchester we are amazing you are we not by our reminiscences you did not know that mr ransom and i were very very old friends did you i am a very new friend of mr ransom said mrs colchester with a quiet smile and therefore have no knowledge of his friendships of long standing of course no and our friendship was not of a character to be published was it max i know no reason mrs sedgwick why you should not state to any one whom you choose that we were formerly very intimate friends if it please you to do so the minister's tone was cold as ice and his manner dignity personified it made mrs sedgwick feel more wicked still evidently she was not gaining any influence over him then she would sacrifice him to her jealous disappointment it had been disappointment from the very first she had gone angrily over it in her mind only that day and told herself what a fool she had been for her pains how carefully she had guarded the secret of her former acquaintance with mr ransom on her first arrival in order that she might enjoy the excitement of his and their surprise when they should learn who she was and behold the first meeting had been when he came to help her drunken husband to bed how hard even after that she had striven to get a little excitement out of it by being only an innocent child before helen ransom in the belief that her brother had been too much overcome to explain who she was 
it had been but another disappointment certainly i know you were once miss temple helen ransom had said one day when gertrude had resolved to make the revelation i have known you since the first evening my brother called here after you came it was quite natural of course that he should mention it and she had spoken as though it were a matter which had no interest for her nor for her brother at that time the lady had concluded that her story was well known to mrs colchester for of course helen ransom had told it this was mrs sedgwick's idea of friendship but later when she came to know helen better she had a shrewd suspicion that utmost silence concerning her had been maintained when she made the resolve to sacrifice mr ransom she rejoiced over this she laughed the little girlish laugh that used to be so sweet to mr ransom's ears dear me max don't be so fearfully dignified what is the use you remind me forcibly of the times when some escapade of mine used to disturb you i have received many a curtain lecture from him mrs colchester i used to be a sad trial to him i suspect he owes me a vote of thanks for refusing to victimize him all his life what a queer minister's wife i should have made can you imagine me for one minute in such a position mrs colchester no said that lady with a grave smile not with your present views of life that is just the trouble my views of life were always at variance with the life which was planned for me and they are yet for that matter i think life has treated me in a very niggardly fashion here i am an old married woman sick and miserable when i ought to be just a girl enjoying myself but i will try to do my duty mrs colchester and i warn you that this gentleman is very set in his ways he is a slave to a creature which he calls duty but which is really only another name for self-will he will not hesitate to sacrifice any and everything which comes in the way of it oh don't i know all about it i am one of the sacrifices but my dear i don't think you need to blush so over my revelations having been a married woman you know men of course they are all alike fickle i dare say some of them think more of books it is true than they do of any woman even before marriage but i assure you mr ransom is quite attentive for him of course it is most apparent that you are the attraction to this old farmhouse and you may as well enjoy it while it lasts it is the only way to get along with life said mrs colchester nina dear do not try to get out of the swing alone wait i will come to you and she stepped from the doorway near which she stood out on the piazza and moved swiftly off toward the swing under the great old trees mr ransom was left alone with gertrude temple she lifted her eyes to him and actually they were full of tears oh max she said and her voice had the old childish quiver in it which used to move him have i offended you have i been very hateful i did not mean to be i do not know what i say half of the time i talk lightly to other people but really max life is very hard upon me 
you do not know what i have to suffer and it hurts me so to think that you who used to be so entirely my friend should seem to then she stopped her beautiful eyes all dim with tears she might as well have attempted to move a marble statue with tears and tremulousness mr ransom had risen from his chair the moment mrs colchester left the room and moved to the doorway through which she had passed his voice was cold and stern you have done no harm i imagine mrs sedgwick except to yourself a woman who can forget herself and her husband and speak as you have done just now is to be pitied perhaps even more than she is to be blamed then he too went through that open doorway and walked deliberately out to the swing under the old trees in the near distance was stephen mitchell riding in from the field on a load of corn he shouted to nina and she ran gaily away to ride up the long lane by his side her sister stood looking after her her fingers engaged the while in breaking little twigs from the great tree her face averted from mr ransom and her whole manner showing that she was struggling for an outward calm which would have belied the tumult in her heart mrs colchester the minister said speaking in quick firm tones you have heard several truths this afternoon you may not be interested in any of them yet it becomes me as a man to own them as truths i was engaged to be married to mrs sedgwick as she has intimated i did not desert her as she hints instead she deserted me i would have been true to what i thought she was had she given me opportunity it is a long story which you may not care to hear it rests with you to say whether you care or not she spoke other words which are also true among them that i am drawn to this house in order to see you i have known it for some time i have hoped that the time might come when you would let me tell you so when you would let me explain everything which has to do with my life i had not meant to come to you in this abrupt almost rude fashion and assuredly i had not meant to subject you to insult because of me as it is i hardly know what i ought to do next you would be justified in wishing me to leave you yet i cannot feel willing to do so without an effort at explanation i am so hurt and grieved that through any influence of mine however remote you should have been exposed to the venom of a cruel tongue that i find myself unable to decide what would be the least offensive course for me to pursue under such strange circumstances there was silence under the trees for what seemed to the minister hours of time though it was in reality but moments then mrs colchester gave him a view of a very sweet face and eyes that smiled he had never heard a gentler voice than the one which said my trust in you is not shaken mr ransom i give you leave to tell me as much or as little of your past as you choose whenever you will and i am not angry at that poor woman it is as she said life has used her hard or rather she has used it hard and there is bitterness in store for her when i think of the contrast between her life and mine her voice broke and it was a moment before she added i have only pity for her mr ransom 
they lingered under the trees sitting down together on the rustic seat which stephen had made nina danced back from her ride and finding them unsatisfactory company flitted away again and went to help sarah and flora arrange a most delightful-looking tea-table in her room upstairs mrs sedgwick watched the two under the trees with angry eyes and brushed away from time to time certain miserable tears and said to herself over and over again what a wretched idiot i have been all my life downstairs helen ransom sat alone taking neat stitches in the bit of work she was doing and giving satisfied glances occasionally out of the window she liked the picture under the trees in due course of time nina summoned them all to that delightful tea-table helen mr ransom said as they rode home that evening after prayer meeting did you ever tell mrs colchester anything concerning mrs sedgwick and myself maxwell it was the only answer he received but he needed no other and made haste to respond i beg your pardon helen but you are friends of such long standing and so very intimate i thought possibly max do you think that long and very intimate friendship justifies breaches of confidences made by other friends certainly not forgive me i have never thought that you did or could do other than that which was true and noble it was only my awkward way of introducing the subject i have told her myself the whole story and i have something to tell you not about mrs sedgwick poor creature i find i can only feel pity for her i have not even the heart to be indignant with her to-night though assuredly she gave me cause this afternoon helen i know it will make you glad but will it surprise you very much to hear that your friend has promised to be your sister it was three months afterward on a moonlighted winter evening that stephen mitchell and his pastor were walking across lots from the lucas home where they had been spending the evening together under circumstances the most solemn that human experience knows old man lucas as he had been known in that neighborhood for so many years had but just exchanged worlds the marvel of marvels had taken place once more the old worn body dimmed of sight dulled of hearing poisoned with rum and tobacco abused and wasted beyond repair had been left behind the soul stained so many years with sin having breathed out through lips of clay curses innumerable upon its maker having done almost all that a soul can do to make wreck of its possibilities had toward the closing of that solemn eleventh hour given heed at last to the voice which had steadily called after it those waiting around the old man's bed had heard the sin-stained lips speak marvellous words even these god for jesus christ's sake has forgiven my sins at the very last when they had thought him done with earth the dimmed eyes had opened again and looked upward for a moment the thin pale lips had taken on the majesty of a smile and once more formed the words god for christ's sake amen and old man lucas had gone what a wonderful experience 
said Mr. Ransom, as he crushed the frosted snow under his feet. What a privilege has been ours to-night! Think what an infinite Saviour is ours, to take that man with his load of seventy years of sin upon him, and put a new song in his mouth, and stamp the clay that he has left behind, with such a look of a conqueror that his children stand about it in awe, saying, Can that be father? What a thing it must be for that man to enter heaven! They were crossing the Mitchell farm now. It lay under the snow, but both men thought as they trod of the golden harvest that had waved there but a short time before, of the golden returns, very unusual both in quality and quantity therefrom. Stephen Mitchell was going to be a farmer. Nobody questioned it now. Even in so short a time he had made his mark. Even in so short a time his father had learned to say, Ask Steve about it. He does the planning. Steve knows what he is about. Even in so short a time they had learned at the market in the city to ask for berries and early vegetables, yes, and even flowers, from the Mitchell farm. Oh, yes, Stephen's heart was in it. The way he worked, and the way he studied, and the way he planned, proved that. But the minister thought of it all sadly. He remembered their first walk together across those fields, and the mistake he was convinced he had made. Why had he started Stephen Mitchell's energies, ambitions, hopes, and plans all earthward? Even while he thought and sighed, Stephen broke the silence. Mr. Ransom, something else has happened today that you don't know about yet. I have boarded the right train at last, sir. What is that, Stephen? What do you mean? I mean that I have been running on a sidetrack for the last year or so. It has been a pretty good road, as you know, in some respects, but you haven't been satisfied with it. I know that, and I haven't been real downright satisfied myself, though I tried to think it first class. But I have changed roads now. I am on the main line at last, and am bound for home. I'm not a passenger either, but a stockholder. The Lord be praised, said the minister, the joy in his heart ringing in his voice as the full meaning of this quaint language dawned upon him, and he grasped Stephen's hand. I have waited and prayed for this so long, Stephen. Do you mind telling me the story, what started you on the right road at last? Well, said Stephen, clearing his throat, I have been thinking about it a good deal more than any of you know but I really suppose it was Jake Lucas at the last who got me on the main track. It seemed so remarkable for him to board the Lightning Express, as you may say, and me, with the long start I had ahead of him, to be left behind. Then he was determined I should travel with him. It seemed as though nothing less would satisfy him. Then, perhaps you remember that list of words which started me in the first place? I certainly do, said the minister promptly. Well, I keep studying them. I made up my mind, you know, to master them, and they brought me square up against the Bible one day, and made me go at that if I meant to be honest. There was a moment's pause, then Stephen cleared his throat and continued. There's another thing to be downright honest. 
i found out that flora had taken me in place of her brother and was praying for me every day in the same way she used to for him before he started and she has had such a hard life one way and another i couldn't seem to want to disappoint her the minister told this story over to mrs colchester not long afterward so it was jake and the list of words and flora ann who reached him you see he concluded and there was the faintest little sigh in his heart as he said the words he had prayed so long and worked so earnestly for stephen mitchell well what matters it he added so that he is on the main line at last it is of very little consequence who took him to the train then after a moment's silence he laughed i remember he told me once he thought something might be made of that flora ann if the right person could only get a hold of her and i really think hillary the right person to help her all through her life has been found end of chapter twenty eight end of stephen mitchell's journey by pansy recorded by trisha g september through december two thousand twenty thanks for listening